Hi, I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes, a true crime podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, this week is Claire's story. So, Claire, what story are you telling us? Absolutely. So, today I'm going to be talking about the murder of Suzanne Joven. I don't know everything about this case, but I know that it's important that it's a cold case and that it doesn't have the attention it deserves. So I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you um, with the lack of attention. So um, Suzanne Joven was killed on December 4th, 1998. Um, So this year marks the 20th anniversary of her death. And I really can't believe that an arrest hasn't been made in this case yet. Um, This happened on a lit street in the middle of a really wealthy and populated neighborhood in New Haven, Connecticut. And yet no one knows exactly what happened to this girl. And with that beginning, let's start. So just a quick overview about Suzanne. She was a student at Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. She is from, and I'm absolutely going to say this wrong, Göttingen, Germany, um, where her parents still live. Sorry if you're German and you're from there. I apologize. (laughs) Um, Her sister was a student at Stanford. um, So she came from a really bright family, all extremely intelligent people. Um, Her parents still live in Germany. And from my understanding of where they are now, they're still in Germany. And um, they're scientists, I think. Scientists of some sort. Cool. Um, Smart family. Yes, very smart family. If anyone doesn't know, Yale and Stanford are really hard to get into. (laughs) So if you get into them... Kudos. (laughs) Kudos. <laughs> Yale has the number one law school. It does. And I want to go there. Me That's too. Fine. Let's go. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> we'll just do it. We'll just have to retake the LSAT and get yeah. hundreds of points <laughs> higher than yeah, we did. Right, exactly. Um, okay. So Suzanne was heavily involved on campus. She worked with a charity called Best Buddies International, um, which connects mentally challenged adults and students to sort of mentor them. Uh, she was a singer and a tutor. She was involved in the German club on campus, and this is kind of sad, but in a eulogy um, that was published by the New York Times during um, the time of her death, uh, she was called a popular and charming and enthusiastic young lady. So she was not alone. Like, she was a very popular young girl. She had a ton of friends. Um, So this that just makes the case even more uh, depressing. And it's also because I know that it has kind of a lack of attention that surprises me because I feel like we have a smart outgoing blonde haired blue eyed woman Mm -hmm. normally that's the case everyone pays attention to absolutely so this is a this is kind of confusing yeah it is a little confusing and the other um interesting part about it is that there's no motive for Mm. anyone to hurt that we know that we know of (laughs) um so that's another weird aspect of that. Um, at the time of her death, she was in her penultimate semester at Yale, and she was going to graduate with a degree in both political science and international studies. So like we said before, she was extremely intelligent and really driven. Um, so for this case, the timeline is what is really pivotal and what makes it stand out from other open murder cases. The time from when she was last seen to the time she was brutally attacked is the span of about 35 minutes. So that's not a lot of time for a murder to take place. Um, So that's kind of a weird little tidbit. And again, it happened on a lit street and nobody saw anything. So that's a bummer. 
Okay, so we're going to start off the timeline for Suzanne's day. Um, so we start off around 4 p.m. I'm assuming she has classes in the morning. Um, so I don't know what happens before 4 p.m. But we have confirmed um, from her dissertation teacher that she turns in her grad paper. And just remember the grad paper because that'll show up later Okay. for a really weird reason. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have 4 p.m. And then after 4 p.m., she has an event for Best Buddies International. And I'm assuming she stays there until around 8.30, just cleaning up everything. I think it's a pizza party. Like, they show up, and it's really cute, and they just make pizza. Fun. Which is fun, yeah. And um, at 8.45, we have her dropping off a station wagon um, on the corner of Edgewood Avenue and House Street. And after that, and I'm assuming she walks to her apartment because she's dropped off the vehicle, um, she gets back to her apartment in 13 minutes. And we know this because she logs into her email account at 9.02 p.m. So I have a map that I'm going to upload for you guys on the description. And it's just important because of the time, like how fast she gets from one location to another. So based off of where she was at at the... Um, parking garage to her apartment, you can see how far she can walk in 13 minutes, which when you look at the map, it's not very far. And it's only a couple blocks. And I know from someone who didn't have a car my freshman year that if you walk for about 30 minutes, that's only about a half a mile. Like it takes a while to walk and she's walking in the dark. So, you know, um, she gets from one place kind of slowly. 13 minutes is about maybe six blocks roughly is there any could someone have driven her um not that i know of from that location so where okay. she I, we're pretty sure that she walked from the parking garage to her apartment um okay so yeah it takes about 13 minutes for her to get there logs into her computer and into her email account at 902 she sends an email to one of her friends about gre study materials which is the graduate program test that you take if you want to get into graduate school and she says she's going to leave the materials in the lobby in the morning because she has to go and pick them up from someone else who has them we do not know who this someone else is i have a theory that it may or may not have been the person who killed her but i'll talk about that later <laughs> <laughs> this case gets very interesting with the conspiracy theories the reddit users love this case um so we have her log out of her computer at 9.10 p.m. and presumably leave her apartment. And she goes to she leaves her apartment to go and drop off keys for the station wagon that she had borrowed. So the next time we see her is at 9.25 p.m. Again, I'm assuming that she's walking from her apartment because she does not have a vehicle. Um, she was last seen walking on the Yale campus at 9.25 by one of her fellow classmates, Peter Stein. Stein says that they stopped, talked a little bit. Um, she said that she was going to go drop off keys at Phelps Gate, which is on Yale campus. And that's all they talked about. Um, uh, Joven is also seen by someone leaving the hockey game that was happening that night on campus. Um, I don't remember who. I think it was Dartmouth. I think that's wrong. But <laughs> I think it was like Yale versus some other rival school. Okay. Um, but yeah. yeah, I was going to say... Whoever killed her could have just logged into her computer to 
make it look like she was there, but we yeah. have witnesses. We have witnesses. So and she, she definitely yeah, she was, was alive at there. this time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So she was alive at this time. She was walking on campus. Um, and then we have another person walking out of the hockey game who did not know her but recognized her. And, and he, later. Yes. And okay. later told the police that he had seen her at the edge of Yale campus going in um, the opposite direction of Phelps Gate. So interesting. We'll see what happens. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So the next thing we have is 10 minutes later, after we last see uh, Suzanne alive, um, multiple witnesses said that they heard a couple arguing in front of an apartment building on 750th Whitney Avenue. So 750th Whitney Avenue is about two miles away from Yale campus. Um, she did not walk there. No, exactly. Unless exactly. she was slowly meandering before and now is sprinting. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you can't get two miles in 10 minutes when you don't have a car. Well, she could have ran, but that would be weird. That would be a, a weird time. Two, okay, <laughs> six, a six-minute mile is really impressive. So if she's running and she gets there in 10 minutes and, and it's two miles away, that's hella impressive. Also, someone would have seen someone frantically running that fast. Exactly. So that's probably not what happened. <laughs> okay. And um, witnesses reported at this time that there was arguing and then screaming at another intersection about a block away um, on East Rock and Edge Hill, which is where Joven's body was found. Okay. Um. So this is the time where we don't know what happens. So this is the yes, infamous, this is the 35, infamous minutes. thirty-five minutes. So we've got nine twenty-five to nine fifty-five. So from when we last saw Suzanne at nine twenty-five to nine fifty-five, police say that Joven was attacked just before ten on the night of December fourth. Um. This window again is the only time unaccounted for, and would most likely be when the murder took place. The murder must have been really quick and really, really brutal um, because that's a really short amount of time to kill someone. Right. So around 9.55, a local doctor heard screams on the corner of Edge Hill and East Rock Road, two miles from the campus, just as a reminder. Um, and she went, and they went over to assist her. S- Suzanne had been stabbed 17 times in the back, the back of her head and her neck. 17 times? 17 times. And that... And what, how how long are we estimating this and a, happened? So I'm assuming the attack probably took place between 15 to 20 minutes. Well, it would have to, unless she, well, I'm just thinking that if she's in a neighborhood, people are hearing her screaming before yes, then. Exactly. So he must have done it quickly mm-hmm. or she. Yeah. It must have been really brutal, like I said before, because 17 times is a lot of times to be stabbed. It sounds really personal, too. Like exactly. This it's person, very aggravated. You don't just walk up on someone with an, I think I'll murder this person 17 times. Like, <laughs> that's overkill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so 17 times is a lot. There is nothing reported saying that the doctor saw anyone around uh, the scene at this point. Um, and you should also know that Suzanne was still alive. So, After being stabbed yes. 17 times. Exactly. So she was still alive. And because this person that found her was a doctor, I would assume that the reason why they didn't see anything around 
the scene of the crime was because they were focused on this dying girl on the side of the road. Um, right, but also, wouldn't you probably look around if there was a bloody person in the street just to make sure <laughs> probably. you weren't going to get stabbed 17 times exactly. as and well? I'm, yeah, and I'm sure that they looked around, but I don't have any them saying anything. Okay. Um, I don't even know if this person is a, a male or a female. Also, we're in like a neighborhood with giant houses, right? Yes. This is like where the fancy professors live. Yes. So this area in New Haven is called East Rock. And it's where all of the professors, well, not all of the professors, but most (laughs) of the professors from Yale University live and reside. They're ginormous houses, like millions of dollars. It's insane. Very Gilmore Girls. Very, very Gilmore Girls. Or like the parents. (laughs) The parents of grandparents. Lorelai, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's very much like that sort of a house, just really wealthy um, and well lit. That's what gets me the most about this case is that there were there are streetlights everywhere. Um, I Googled it because why not? And <laughs> I found the, t- the crossroads, the two streets that where her body was found. And there are streetlights everywhere. And there's a house right on that corner. And nobody saw anything. And that just drives me insane. It reminds me of Kitty Genevieve and the bystander effect. Exactly. And yes. in that case, a woman was attacked in I believe Queens and in the middle of the street attacked hundreds of people around I mean it's Queens and no one did anything and no one did anything to the point where her attacker was scared off by a car backfiring and he like ran away and then noticed that no one was coming to help her so he came back to finish his attack and when interviewed everyone either assumed it was just a lover's quarrel or they and they didn't want to get involved or they thought that someone else had done something, which is, I feel like what most people report when bystander effect is happening is that I don't need to call 911. There's like 500 people around me. Someone, I'm sure they're mm-hmm. flooded with 911 calls right now. Absolutely, yeah. And it's, it's a really, really sad. Yeah. You should... If you're ever in and just call 911, they don't care if everyone calls. They would rather have 100 calls than none. Absolutely. And I mean, I'd rather have 100 calls than none, (laughs) especially with a case like this where there's a dying girl on the side of the street. Right. Anyway, so that's irritating. Um, But there was a witness, a female motorist, who saw a white male running away from the scene. She would later describe the man to police, and they have a sketch of it. And I'm going to show you this sketch. It's always white males. It always is white be males. Be afraid of, of white males. Um, be afraid of white males. So, oh. yeah. So I'm showing Randy this sketch and I'll upload the sketch <laughs> in the description for everyone to look at. Um, but he looks very chiseled and very attractive. Um, this, <laughs> I'm laughing because he's so attractive. I know. He's a really hot guy. Which is... Why are they all hot? Like, I'm Ted, thinking about Ted, Ted Bundy. Bundy. <laughs> so charming, so Who, annoying, this and a murderer. Like, 20 times more attractive than Ted Bundy. He is. He's 20 times more chiseled Ted Bundy than Ted Bundy. was not that attractive, but... He was attractive for when he was killing people, I feel like. What? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we go through trends of who's hot and who's not. And I feel like Ted Bundy was hot. During that time, you know what I mean? The way I heard that was (laughs) that he was hot when he was killing people. (laughs) No, that's not what I meant. I was like, okay, Claire, that's your type. 
No, <laughs> that's not my type. I see what you're saying. Now. Yeah, no. Yes. No, he, he was wasn't just he was attractive bad for the looking. time period. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, <laughs> we have this hot guy running away from the scene. And um, she describes him specifically as running away frantically. So it didn't look like he was jogging. Right. Or like on a midnight run, which I know... A lot of people do that. So it wasn't like that. It was like he was frantically trying to get like away. Like getting... But Claire... <laughs> yes. If we were on a midnight jog, <laughs> it would probably look like we were running away from a crime scene. You would probably be correct about that. People be would be suspicious of us. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I hate running, so I would be sweating and gross and just like breathing really heavily <laughs> somebody would think there's something wrong with me i would love to love running <laughs> me too but i hate it same <laughs> anyway so he was frantically running away from the scene frantically in an odd way <laughs> like if you saw me and randy running down the street this guy looks like he's in shape though yeah he does he so does if he's, like he's frantically running something's probably wrong yeah exactly so we have her seeing this guy at about 10 p.m which is just five minutes after the doctor finds Suzanne on the street. And then a little after 10, we have a Mrs. Oxley who lived across the street in one of these ginormous houses. Um, she hears police sirens and confirms that the police showed up right after 10 o'clock. That's basically the timeline for Suzanne's attack. Um, Suzanne was taken to Yale New Haven Hospital and unfortunately died that night. So when looking at where she was last seen, which was on campus at 925, to where her murder took place, which was like 945, 950, it's only about 35 minutes. Um, according to where it took place, there was no way she could have walked all the way from Yale campus, where she was last seen, to East Rock, about two miles away, um, in just 20 minutes, and then have time to be murdered and then discovered just doesn't really work out like and that. And stabbed 17 times. Oh, yeah. And stabbed <laughs> that's a, 17 times. That's at least times. three or four minutes. Uh, yeah, exactly. If not more. I don't know. I've never stabbed anyone personally. So I don't know how what it's like or like how long it takes. <laughs> but probably, 17 is a lot. Probably a couple minutes. Probably. I don't know. <laughs> Again, I've never stabbed anyone. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. We're, so, we're such good people. Okay. <laughs> so I Google mapped it just to be sure. And it takes about 36 minutes for her to walk from New Haven, uh, Yale campus, where she was last seen, all the way mm -hmm. to East Rock. Which, mm -hmm. if you remember, there's only a window of 35 minutes. Mm -hmm. So that's a big weird thing that happened. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so the police also say that it was possible that she was driven. I tried to look up some information about public transport, which could have been another factor. But all I really found was that there was there are trains that run through the city that connect to other major cities on the East Coast. So they have one to Boston. They have one to NYC. Um, but I didn't see any local buses or anything like that. And, and we um, know she was walking because yeah. the guy at the, the field saw her walking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So... Public transport is probably not a viable opinion for this case. Um, but yeah, so we have her. So that's the end of the timeline. Um, and we have her unfortunately killed like in a very short span of time. Um, and tune in for the next episode where we will get into even more of the details of this case and how weird it actually going to get. If you think it's weird now, it's going to get even more weird. I'm excited. 
Yep. Okay, well, thanks for listening. <laughs> thanks. Bye. Bye.